welcome to another episode. This week we are going to be reading about, well, as you can probably see, Albert Einstein, the man himself. Um, it's on the simple Wikipedia again, so hopefully when it gets into his um, famous ideas and stuff it won't be too uh, too complicated and hopefully it'll be quite interesting to learn a bit about him because I don't know a whole lot. Anyway, let's get started. Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein, 14th of March 1879 to 18th of April 1955, was a German-born scientist. He worked on theoretical physics. He developed the theory of relativity. He received the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1921 for his theoretical physics. His famous equation is E equals mc squared. E equals energy, m equals mass, c equals speed of light. For his job, Einstein thought that Isaac Newton's idea of gravity was not completely accurate. He developed the special theory of relativity in 1902 to 1909 to correct that. However, he realized that the gravitational fields could also extend the relativity. So he published a paper on general relativity in 1916 with his theory of gravitation. In 1933, Einstein was visiting the United States. In Germany, Adolf Hitler came to power. Einstein, being of Jewish ethnicity, did not return to Germany due to the Hitler regime's anti-Semitic policies. He lived in the United States and became an American citizen in 1940. On the beginning of World War II, he sent a letter to President Franklin D. Roosevelt explaining to him that Germany was in the process of developing a nuclear weapon. So Einstein recommended that the US should begin similar research. This eventually led to the Manhattan Project. Life. Early life. Einstein was born in Ulm, Württemberg, Germany on 14th of March 1879. His family was Jewish, but was not very religious. However, later in life, Einstein became very interested in his Judaism. Einstein did not begin speaking until he was two years old. According to his younger sister, Marja, he had such difficulty with language that those around him feared he would never learn. When Einstein was around four years old, his father gave him a magnetic compass. He tried hard to understand how the needle could seem to move itself so that it always pointed north. The needle was in a closed case, so clearly nothing like wind could be pushing the needle around, and yet it moved. So in this way, Einstein became interested in studying science and mathematics. His compass gave him ideas to explore the world of science. Mm -hmm. When he became older, he went to school in Switzerland. After he graduated, he got a job in the patent office there. While he was working there, 
he wrote the papers that first made him famous as a great scientist. Einstein married with a 20-year-old Serbian woman, Mileva Maruk, in January 1903. In 1917, Einstein became very sick with an illness that almost killed him. His cousin, Elsa Lowenthal, nursed him back to health. After this happened, Einstein divorced Mileva in 14th of February 1919 and married Elsa on the 2nd of June 1919. Wait, Elsa. Elsa was the cousin who nursed him back to health. Interesting. Okay. Einstein's first daughter was in inverted commas Lysel brackets. No one knows her real name. She was born in Novis Sad Vojvodina, Austria Hungary in the first month of months of 1902. She spent her very short life, believed to be less than two years, in the care of Serbian grandparents. It is believed that she died from scarlet fever. Some believe she may have been born with the disorder called Down syndrome, although it never proves. Although it never proves. Might need to edit that to sound better, somebody. No one knew her very existence until 1986, when Einstein's granddaughter discovered a shoebox containing 54 love letters, most of them from Einstein, exchanged between Meleva and Einstein from 1897 to September 1903. Einstein's two sons were Hans Albert Einstein and Edward Tett Einstein. Hans was born in Bern, Switzerland in May 1904. Edward was born in Zurich, Switzerland in July 1910. Edward died at 55 years old of a stroke in Psychiatric University Hospital Zurich. He had spent his life in and out of asylums due to his schizophrenia. Later life. Just before the start of World War I, he moved back to Germany and became director of a school there. He lived in Berlin under the Nazi government until the Nazi government came to power. The Nazis hated people who were Jewish or came from Jewish families. They accused Einstein of helping to create Jewish physics and German physicists tried to prove that his theories were wrong. That's very funny. In 1933, under death threats from the Nazis and hated by the Nazi-controlled German press, Einstein and Elsa moved to Princeton, New Jersey, in the United States, and in 1940 he became a United States citizen. During World War II, Einstein and Leo Szilard wrote to the US President Franklin D. Roosevelt to say that the United States should invent an atomic bomb so that the Nazis could, Nazi government could not beat them to the punch. He was the only one who signed the letter. However, he was not part of the Manhattan Project, which was the project that created the atomic bomb. 
Einstein, a Jew but not an Israeli citizen, was offered the presidency in 1952, but turned it down, stating, I am deeply moved by the offer from our state of Israel, and at once saddened and ashamed that I cannot accept it. Ehud Olmert was reported to be considering offering the presidency to another non-Israeli, Eli Weisel, but he has said to be very not interested. <laughs> That's a great response. Uh, would you like to be the president? I am very not interested. He taught physics at the Institute for Advanced Study at Princeton, New Jersey, until his death on the 18th of April, 1955, of a burst aortic aneurysm. He was still writing about quantum physics hours before he died. He was awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics. Theory of Special Relativity theory of special relativity was published by Einstein in 1905, called On the Electrodynamics of Moving Bodies. It says that both distance measurements and time measurements change near the speed of light. This means that as one gets closer to the speed of light, nearly 300,000 kilometers per hour, lengths appear to get shorter and clocks tick more slowly. Einstein said that special relativity is based on two ideas. First is that the laws of physics are the same for all observers that are not moving in relation to each other. All the people on a jet airplane would not be moving much in relation to each other, but the people in two different jet airplanes that come toward each other would be moving toward each other very fast. The people who are all going in the same direction at the same speed are said to be in an inertial frame. The second idea is that any observer, no matter how fast that observer moves in relation to us, is always the same. A vacuum is a volume without any matter in it. Mm, I don't quite understand that. I might have to listen back to that later. People who are in the same frame think of them as being in a big box so that they all go they so that they all go places together and at the same speed. We'll measure how long something takes to happen in the same way. Their clocks will keep the same time, but people moving in another frame will look at them and see that their clocks were moving at a different rate. The reason that this happens is actually quite simple. It is the consequence of two ideas. One idea we have, al we have seen already no matter what one is doing, even if he is moving toward a different star at half the speed of light, or if he is moving away from it at half the speed of light, or any other speed, it does not matter. If he measures the speed of the light coming from the star, it will always be the same number. The other idea goes against our ordinary ideas. The other idea says that who is standing still and who is moving and whoever is one say is standing st and who is moving 
and who whoever won say is standing still or moving how can that be I, I, I don't understand what that means I feel like I'm going to be saying that a lot in this episode I feel like the, 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 the way it's written is a little bit whoever won say is standing still or moving that doesn't really make sense as a sentence but I can't think of a better version because I don't know what it means Imagine an astronaut were all alone in a different universe. That universe has no suns, planets, or anything else. It just has the astronaut and the spaceship. Is he moving? Is he standing still? Those questions do not mean anything. Why? Because when we say we are moving, we mean that we can measure our distance from something else at one time, then measure the distance at another time, and the numbers will not be the same. If the numbers get bigger, we are moving away. If the numbers are smaller, we are moving closer. Suppose a sailor standing on the edge of a very long boat with a flat top. Her boyfriend is standing on the dock. They are still very close together, so they shout to each other. The boat starts to leave. The sailor runs toward the back of the boat at the same speed that the boat moves forward so she and her boyfriend can keep talking. As far as the boyfriend is concerned, she is not moving. So to have movement, you must have at least two things. We do not think about it because when we sit down on the earth in a park, which is moving very fast around the sun, we think we are not moving because we do not get any closer or further away from the trees in the park. Okay, I think I understand that. Now imagine that another spaceship appears in this other universe. On the first spaceship, the astronauts say that their spaceship is coming closer to him. After all, he does not feel himself moving. On on their spaceship, they say that his spaceship is coming closer to theirs. They do not feel themselves to be moving. Somebody on an airplane can be moving at several hundred kilometers per hour but they say, I am just sitting here. Let us try, oops. Let us try to stretch our minds a bit. Imagine that a basketball player is on a glass airplane on the ground. People outside can see him very easily. He begins to walk from the back of the airplane towards the front of the airplane, bouncing his basketball as he goes. Maybe the distance between the places where his basketball hits the floor of the airplane is about one meter or one yard. If some people are under the airplane, they can mark the place exactly where the airplane hits the where the ball hits the floor. Those marks are a meter or maybe a yard apart. So everybody agrees that the bounces are about a meter or a yard apart. Later, the plane takes off. People still watch it from on the ground, but this time. Bounce number five is over a place in Gibraltar, and bounce number six is over a place in Spain. The distance between bounces is measured in kilometers or miles on the ground, but the people on the plane get the same answers that they did when the plane was on the ground. Ah. Okay. Now, suppose someone... Okay. (laughs) I like these analogies, but they're a bit... Bombarding. Let's try it. Let's try it. Now, suppose some people on a big spaceship and they want to make a very accurate clock. So they make a long tunnel between decks from what 
would be like the top of an airplane to what would be the bottom of an airplane. At one end they put a mirror and at the other end they put a simple machine. It shoots one shot, one shot burst of light towards the machine and then waits. The light hits the mirror and bounces back. When it hits a light detector on the machine, the machine says count one. It simultaneously shoots another short burst of light toward the mirror. And when that light comes back, the machine says count two. Of course, since light is very fast, the count changes very fast. They decide that a certain number of bounces will be defined as a second and they make the machine change the seconds counter every time it has detected that number of bounces. Every time it changes the seconds counter, it also flashes a light through the hole, sorry, flashes a light through a porthole under the machine, so somebody out taking a spacewalk will see the light flashing every second. Every grade school child learns the formula D equals RT. Now, I don't know what grade school child, I don't know what age that is, but D equals RT is not something that I learned ever. Distance equals rate multiplied by time. Maybe, maybe in secondary school for physics, but I, I still don't know it to this day. Every grade school child learns the formula D equals RT brackets distance equals rate multiplied by time, we know the speed of light and we can easily measure the distance between the machine and the mirror and multiply that to give the distance the light travels. So we have both D and R and we can calc easily calculate T. The people on the spaceship compare their new light clock with their various wristwatches and other clocks and they are satisfied that they can measure time well using their new light clock. Now, the spaceship happens to be going very fast. It's not coming to Earth to visit, but it does happen to fly over the North Pole. There is a science station with a telescope at the North Pole. They see a flash from the clock on the spaceship, and then they see another flash. One of the flashes, only the flashes do not come a second apart. They come at a slower rate. The reason is that the situation is like the basketball player on the airplane. The ball is pushed downward by the player's hand. That is the light in the spaceship's machine firing off a burst towards the mirror. The ball hits the floor and bounces. That is like the light hitting the mirror and being reflected. The ball returns to the player's hand. That is like the ball hitting the machine and triggering a new burst of light. Note that the distance between the place on the ground where the basketball is seen to hit the floor and the distance on the ground where the basketball is seen to return to the basketball player's hand is some great distance. Depending on how fast the plane is going, it might be a, a kilometer or even a mile away. So the man on the North Pole sees light flash on the sides of the spaceship when it is thousands of miles away and then sees the next flash when the spaceship has gotten thousands of miles closer. The way the North Pole man sees it, the light started out, let's say, 100,000 miles away and hit its return point when it was perhaps 90,000 miles away. So instead of just traveling twice the diameter of the spaceship, 
perhaps several hundred meters or yards, the light has traveled 10,000 miles. Light always goes the same speed, d equals rt. And so the time this trip took is going to be much greater, as seen by the man on the North Pole. This is why the clock on the spaceship is not flashing once a second for the Earth observer. Special relativity also relates energy with mass in uh, Albert Einstein's E equals mc squared formula. Mass energy equivalence. E equals mc squared, also called the mass energy equivalence, is one of the things that Einstein is most famous for. It is a famous equation in physics and math that shows what happens when mass changes to energy or energy changes to mass. The E in the equation stands for energy. Energy is a number which you give to objects depending on how much they can change other things. For instance, a brick hanging over an egg can put enough energy onto the egg to break it. A feather hanging over an egg does not have enough energy to hurt the egg. There are three basic forms of energy. Potential energy, kinetic energy and rest energy. Two of these forms of energy can be seen in the examples given above and in the example of a pendulum. A cannonball hangs on a rope from an iron ring. A horse pulls the cannonball to the right side. When the cannonball is released, it will move back and forth as diagrammed. It would do that forever, except that the movement of the rope in the ring and rubbing in other places causes friction, and the friction takes away a little energy all the time. If we ignore the losses due to friction, then the energy provided by the horse is given to the cannonball as potential energy. It has energy because it is high up, sorry, up high and can fall down. As the cannonball swings down, it gains more and more speed. So the nearer the bottom it gets, the faster it is going and the harder it would hit you if you stood in front of it. Then it slows down as its kinetic energy is changed back into potential energy. Kinetic energy just means the energy something has because it is moving. Potential energy just means the energy something has because it is in some higher position than something else. I think that's relative to Earth height. Um, I don't think potential energy just means something's higher than something else, but uh, could be wrong. When energy moves from one form to another, the amount of energy always remains the same. It cannot be made or destroyed. This rule is called the conservation law of energy. For example, when you throw a ball, energy is transferred from your hand to the ball as you release it. But the energy that was in your hand, and now the energy that is in the ball, is the same number. For a long time, people thought the conservation of energy was all there was to talk about. When energy transforms into mass, the amount of energy does not remain the same. When mass transforms into energy, the amount of energy also does not remain the same. 
However, the amount of matter and energy remains the same. Energy turns into mass and mass turns into energy in a way that is defined by Einstein's equation E equals mc squared. The m in Einstein's equation stands for mass. Mass is the amount of matter there is in somebody. In some body, <laughs> sorry, should I say? If you knew the number of protons and neutrons in a piece of matter, such as a brick, then you could calculate its total mass as the sum of the masses of all the, the protons and all the neutrons. Electrons are so small that they are almost negligible. Masses pull on each other and have a very large mass, such as that of the Earth pulls very hard on nearby things. That's not a very well-written sentence there, so sorry. You would weigh much more on Jupiter than on Earth, because Jupiter is so huge. You would weigh much less on the Moon, because it is only about one-sixth the mass of Earth. Weight is related to the mass of the brick, or the person, and the mass of whatever is pulling it down on a spring scale, which may be smaller than the smallest moon in the solar system or larger than the sun. Mass, not weight, can be tra transformed into energy. Another way of expressing this idea is to say that matter can be transformed into energy. Units of mass are not used to measure the amount of matter in something. The mass or the amount of matter in something determines how much energy that thing could be changed into. I feel like this isn't very well written, but we're too far gone now. We're halfway through. We're going to have to finish. Uh, energy can also be transformed into mass. If you were pushing a baby buggy at a slow walk and found it easy to push, but pushed it at a fast walk and found it harder to move, then you would wonder what was wrong with the baby buggy. Then if you tried to run and found the move, that moving the buggy at any faster speed was like pushing against a brick wall, you would be very surprised. The truth is that when something is moved, then its mass is increased. Human beings ordinarily do not notice this increase in mass because at the speed humans ordinarily move, the increase in mass is almost nothing. As speeds get closer to the speed of light, then the changes in mass become impossible not to notice. The basic experience we all share in daily life is that the harder we push something like a car, the faster we can get it going. But when something we are already we are pushing is already going at some large part of the speed of light, we find that it keeps gaining mass, so it is harder and harder to get it going faster. It is impossible to make any mass go to the speed of light because to do so would take infinite energy. Sometimes a mass will change to energy. Common examples of elements that make these changes we call radioactivity are radium and uranium. An atom of uranium can lose an alpha particle, the atomic nucleus of helium, and become a new element with a lighter nucleus. Then that atom will emit two electrons, but it will not be stable yet. It will emit a series of alpha particles and electrons until it finally becomes the element Pb, or what we call lead. 
By throwing out all these particles that have mass, it has made its own mass smaller. It has also produced energy. In most radioactivity, the entire mass of something does not get changed to energy. In an atomic bomb, uranium is transformed into krypton and barium. There is a slight difference in the mass of the resulting krypton and barium and the mass of the original uranium, but the energy that is released by the change is huge. One way to express this idea is to write Einstein's equation as E equals M uranium minus M krypton and barium C2. The C2 in the equation stands for the speed of light squared. To square something means to multiply it by itself. So if you were to square the speed of light, it would be 299,792,458 meters per second times 299,792,458 meters per second, which is approximately a lot. It's, a, it's approximately a, a lot. It, it, I think it uh, equates to 90,000 terajoules. About 60 terajoules were released by the atomic bomb that exploded over Hiroshima. So about two-thirds of a gram of the radioactive mass in that atomic bomb must have been lost when the uranium changed into krypton and barium. Wow, so that was all that it took, that change in mass to re release that amount of energy. Two thirds of a gram. Crazy. EEC. The idea of a Bose-Einstein condensate came out of a collaboration between S. N. Bose and Professor Einstein. Einstein himself did not invent it, but instead refined the idea and helped it become popular. I don't know what Bose-Einstein condensate is, let's find out. Bose-Einstein condensate, BEC, is what happens to a dilute gas when it is made very cold, near absolute zero, i.e. zero Kelvin. It forms when the particles that make it up have very low energy. Zero-point energy. The concept of zero-point energy was developed in Germany by Albert Einstein and Otto Stern in 1913. I don't, I don't know what zero-point energy is either, but uh, there's no option to follow that up there, so I apologize. Momentum, mass, and energy. In classical physics, momentum is explained by the equation P equals mv, where P represents momentum, m represents mass, v represents velocity, brackets speed. When Einstein generalized classical physics to include the increase of mass due to the velocity of the moving matter, he arrived at an equation that predicted energy to be made of two components. 
One component involves rest mass and the other component involves momentum, but momentum is not defined in the classical way. The equation typically has values greater than zero for both components. E squared equals M weird O C squared close brackets two, uh, I mean close brackets squared plus brackets P C end brackets squared where E, e represents the energy of a particle. M with the little weird O represents the mass of the particle when it is not moving. P represents the momentum of the particle when it is moving and C represents the speed of light. Okay, this is all getting quite, um, <sighs> quite equation heavy here. Uh, mm, I think I might just skip that because it's gonna make, it's gonna be very, very useless. Sorry, but it's there if you want to read it. It's gone. The Albert Einstein simple wiki. The general theory of relativity. The general theory of relativity was published in 1915, 10 years after the special theory of relativity was created. Einstein's general theory of relativity uses the idea of space-time. Space-time is the fact that we have a four-dimensional universe having three spatial brackets, space dimensions and one temporal time dimension. Any physical event happens at some place inside these three inside these three space dimensions, and at some movement in time, at some moment in time. Sorry. According to the general theory of relativity, any mass causes space-time to curve, and any other mass follows these curves. Bigger mass causes more curving. This was a new way to explain gravitation. General relativity explains gravitational lensing, which is light bending when it comes near a massive object. The explana this explanation was proven correct during a solar eclipse, when the sun's bending of starlight from distant stars could be measured because of the darkness of the eclipse. General relativity also set the stage for cosmology, brackets theories of the structure of our universe at large distances and over long times. Close brackets. Einstein thought that the universe may curve a little bit in both space and time, so that the universe always had existed and always will exist, and so that if an object moved through the universe without bumping into anything, it would return to its starting place from the other direction after a very long time. He even changed his equations to include a cosmological constant in order to allow a, a mathematical model of an unchanging universe. The general theory of relativity also allows the universe to spread out, brackets grow larger and less dense, and brackets forever. And mo most scientists think that astronomy has proved that this is what happens. When Einstein realized that good models of the universe were possible, even without the cosmological constant, he called his use of the cosmological constant his biggest blunder. And that constant is often left out of the theory. 
However, many scientists now believe that the cosmological constant is needed to fit in in all that we know now about the universe. A popular theory of cosmology is called the Big Bang. According to the Big Bang theory, the universe was formed 15 billion years ago in what is called a gravitational singularity. This singularity was small, dense and very hot. According to this theory, all of the matter that we know today came out of this point. Einstein himself did not have the idea of a black hole, but later scientists used this name for an object in the universe that bends space-time so much that not even light can escape it. They think that these ultra-dense objects are formed when giant stars, at least three times the size of our sun, die. This event can follow what is called a supernova. The formation of black holes may be a major source of gravitational waves, so the search for proof of gravitational waves has become an important scientific pursuit. Beliefs Many scientists only care about their work, but Einstein also spoke and wrote about sorry, and wrote often about politics and world peace. He liked the ideas of socialism and of having only one government for the whole world. He also worked for Zionism, the effort to try to create the new country of Israel. Einstein's family was Jewish, but Einstein never practiced his religion seriously. He liked the ideas of the Jewish philosophers Baruch Spinoza and also thought that Buddhism was a good religion. Uh, and then it says source, <laughs> question mark. Even though Einstein thought of many ideas that helped scientists understand the world much better, he disagreed with some scientific theories that other scientists like. The theory of quantum mechanics discusses things that can happen only when certain only with certain probabilities which cannot be predicted with better precision oh my gosh which cannot be predicted with better precision no matter how much information we might have this theory theoretical pursuit is different from statistical mechanics in which einstein did important work einstein did not like the part of quantum theory that denied anything more than the probability that something would be found to be true of something when it was actually measured. He thought that it should be possible to predict anything if we had the correct theory and enough information. He once said, I do not believe that God plays dice with the universe. Because Einstein helped science so much, his name is now used for several different things. A unit used in photochemistry was named for him. It is equal to Avogadro's number multiplied by the energy of one photon of light. The chemical element Einsteinium is named after the scientist as well. In slang, we sometimes call a very smart person an Einstein, or a dumb person if we're being sarcastic, I guess. Criticism. Most scientists think that Einstein's theories of special and general relativity work very well and they use those ideas and formulas in their own work. 
Einstein disagreed that phenomena in quantum mechanics can happen out of pure chance. He believed that all natural phenomena have explanations that do not include pure chance. He spent much of his later life trying to find a unified field theory that would include his general relativity theory. Maxwell's theory of electromagnetism and perhaps a better quantum theory. Most scientists do not think that he succeeded in that attempt. Even Einstein couldn't do everything. But, great man. Great. Very clever. Um, yeah, insane. Even the dumbed down versions of how light and time and space work. That clock bit did confuse me a little bit. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be completely honest, I still haven't got my head around the the spaceship with the flashing lights appearing slower. But uh, I'm sure one day it'll all click and it'll all make sense. Anyway, thank you very much for listening and thank you to the writers of this and all other Wikipedia pages, you are all fantastic. Um, thanks very much. Have a nice day and goodbye.